HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Greg Bresnitz. And I'm Darren Bresnitz. We're the host of Snacky Tunes. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Today is August 12, 2014. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. It's the middle of August and we're having some fun. Brooklyn Magazine awarded the, the best of New York IPAs. And uh, one of the representatives tonight is uh, Jeff O'Neill from Peekskill. He's here. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, his, the old days when he was just starting out. And we'll uh, talk more with uh, TalkBeer.com guys and uh, a few other brewers in, in the show. So here we are. Thanks to uh, GreatBrewers.com, our sponsor. And again, big shout-out to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. All right. Jeff O'Neill from Peekskill. Hi, Jimmy. Great to see you, man. Oh, thanks for having me back. I think the last time I saw you was the White Hotel during New York City Beer Week. Yeah, what a blast that was. Yeah, no, yeah. You, you did some great stuff. What, you, you, you know, one the, the event we did was a New York City Brewer's Choice, mm-hmm. and a number of uh, brewers made... Uh, beers with New York ingredients and, and New York grains. What beers did you make for that event? Because I remember they really stood out in my mind. We had made the uh, the Aristocrats, which was a fully New York State uh, ingredient beer, um, right down to the yeast. Was is a uh, house yeast from a, I think a, a really important New York State brewer. So it was a lot of fun. Um, the beer was really well received, and uh, we had a great time there that night. And uh, you, you did a really great job. A lot of brewers, Kelso, Omegang, people really rose to the occasion. And uh, we hope to do more more of that. It's been a growing thing in New York State. You yeah, know, and I think there will be more, the, more and more opportunity with more farmers growing the ingredients that we need. That was uh, We did the show that week, correct, when we had yes. the farmers here? Yeah. Yeah, it was wonderful to meet them and, and have that connection with them moving forward. So a couple of things I want to ask you about. We, we've had some guests on recently, Chris Sheehan from Gun Hill. And uh, in the past, Roger Davis from Faction Brewing. seems that you guys all got started in the Bay Area, and there's two places that stand out. Drake's mm-hmm. and uh, we the one, 20 Tank? The 20 Tank Brewery, yeah. Yeah, so tell us about, about those places, because they seem to have the number of brewers that we know got started there. Well, those are two of, I think, the seminal California-style breweries. Um, Drake's started as Lind Brewing, 
um, was founded by a guy named Roger Lind, and uh, it had to have been mid to late 80s that he opened. Um, some of his brands bore the Sir Francis Drake and other, you know, Drake's monikers. And he sold the brewery to a coffee roastery that was located next door around 1999. Um and it became, they renamed it as Drake's because it was no longer owned by, by Roger. Um, so they, uh, they put a lot of uh, resources into it. And uh, at the time, I was coming from another brew pub um, in the East Bay called Jupiter. And that was owned by the same um, family that owned the 20 Tank, which had closed the year before, but was one of the first, I say, California-style uh, brew pubs. It, you know, great pizza fresh hoppy beer and it was the first time you know i was in my early 20s at the time when i started working there at the 20 tank before drake's i got all out of order here um but that was the first time i really had a modern ipa i don't want to put a too much of a location on it well i have never really had the chance to just sit and talk to you and we're waiting for a few other guests. So uh, that was my first question about Drake's in 2020. So, yes, a lot of uh, brewers who have gone on to prominent uh, roles in craft brewing um, started at, at those two places. Um, you mentioned Chris and uh, Roger, um, Dave Yarrington from Smutty Nose, uh, my friend Burt Boyce, who has a management position in the Boston Beer Company, um, and, and some few others. And Drake's has grown over the past few years with a lot of uh, – <clears throat> Reinvestment and opening up of contiguous space to where they are. And I think they're making close to 20,000 barrels now. And it was a 2,000 barrel brewery in 2000 when I was there. So, you, as, as brewers, you, you stay tight with a lot of guys. So, mm-hmm. earlier you said you were, you were texting with Roger Davis. Yeah, Roger and I are planning a trip to Yakima next month. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, did, did he get opened? Yeah. Factory yeah. Brewery? Oh, yeah. And he's, he's, he's blown up. Um, his biggest problem is that he can't keep up with demand. Um, I don't know if you know this story, but he bought uh, the original Captain Lawrence brew house. Um, Scott's another guy who I have a connection to from Drake's. The guy who replaced me there turned out to be his college roommate. So there's a lot of like uh, a lot of uh, familial, familial, familial things with it. No, that's wild. That's actually when one of our regulars was uh, Jen Swartman from mm-hmm. Blind Tiger, and uh, she met Roger Davis, and for the same reason, he was here on the East Coast. Uh, buying the old Captain Lawrence system. Right. That's when we met him as well. Right. So it's, it's, I'm trying to play it. There's a lot of cool connections that you guys have, and, uh, and there's a lot of great I stories. I think so, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of great stories, but I can't tell them here. <laughs> You're so good, man. Well, <laughs> my, the, my w- one of the themes it. tonight is, is there was, with Broken Magazine, there was the, the best New York IPA competition. Some of our friends like Josh Bernstein and Nico Kremitis were, were some of the judges. And uh, I mean, I guess we should announce them now since, since we can tell everyone. According to Brooklyn Magazine, the top three New York uh, IPAs were Peak Skills Eastern Standard IPA, Other Half Hop Showers, and Port Jeff Party Boat. And uh, oh, look who's here. Our buddy Mike <laughs> from uh, Mike Philbrook. I never know your last name because you're Mike at Port What's Jeff. Up, me, from Port Jeff Brewery and Port Jefferson. The, everyone said you were the surprise winner. I mean, you're, you're the, the third place. But uh, were you surprised or did you, do you think you're making pretty good beers anyways? Oh, we're a little surprised. I mean, it was definitely... Definitely honoring that blindly people chose that. So, so yeah. Sorry. That's good. Well, we're drinking Hop Commons. Jeff didn't bring any beer. So we don't get to try the Eastern Standard IPA. No, t- Did you bring any beers beer? on draft here? So we can try some. Uh, At Roberta's. What do they have here? You know, these this place, God bless them, they were our number one retailer last year. Our best single best account. Wow. So uh, it was a good bet that we we're going to find something on here. 
So what, what's the IPA they have on draft here? We have uh, Tiger Mom, which is a Britannomyces IPA that we made with the folks from the Blind Tiger last month, or possibly in June. All right. And Mike, I know you, you and Jeff both went to Siebel Institute in Chicago. Right. That's how you're... Now, tell us about that, because I'm trying to get a little background on you guys. Uh, well, Siebel, I, you know, when I, I was a home brewer for quite some time, and then when I decided to, um, you know, to go pro, I guess they say, uh, I had taken a couple courses at Siebel. They have a Start Your Own Brewery course. They have a... Uh, yeah, they have an entrepreneur's course. Right, yeah. yeah. So I took a couple of those, and then I took their basic... Uh, it was actually through online at that time, and then you went there for uh, the course of two weekends, uh, I guess five years ago or what have you. I have guys that have been at our brewery that have taken the the actual course where they go to Domans as well. Mm-hmm. So they spend six weeks in Germany. Um, and, yeah, two weeks in Germany, I think four weeks in Chicago. Um, it, it's, you know, there's a lot of science behind it in that course. And uh, you, you can be in that course with people from Labatt's or, you know, very large breweries to people that have a nano setup of, you know, a half barrel or a one barrel. Um, that are just going there to, to kind of get science out of it. Yeah. Do you guys know how they judge the IPAs? Because we also have the, the guys from TalkBeer.com here. We're going to talk a little bit about how people judge and rate beers in the show as well. I think they did it pretty, what do you call it, <laughs> Hedonic, hedonistically? Hedonically? You think right? someone said, I like Je- Jeff's Peekskill beer, and someone else said, I like poor Jeff? I saw a video, and it seemed like that they were tasting beers, and they kind of had a number count... Right to some degree, like assign some number of points. To right, so if you you know you, you choose this beer first and it gets that many points, and then the total of points wins the race. I guess so. it seemed like it was probably ten nine, ten right. points for. Well, this, yeah, exactly. It was kind of big yeah. news. It was Brook, Brooklyn Magazine's best IPAs. I think is this Mike, is. Mike Conklin, the editor of Brooklyn Magazine, just walked in. So, I this is come on. Are you going to talk on the mic? Come on in. Sure. So we're just <laughs> we're just trying to talk about how you guys because we're also going to talk later about how how different online sites rate beers okay so this is kind of from what you created yeah, so tell sure. us how did you guys judge the ipas how did we judge them yeah um well the idea was that we were only going to be judging them based on you know what was in front of us so just looking at the aroma and the appearance and ultimately the taste and then so we had five judges and we had 10 beers so i had everybody rank them we assigned letters to them and then i had everybody rank them from one to ten basically and then we used a scale where if you ranked something number one, it received 10 points, and if you ranked something number 10, it received one point. So it was like kind of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Exactly. <laughs> Major League, like All-Star, or whatever, or like MVP or something. Yeah, MVP, yeah. So it wasn't like one of these BJCP or, or other type of judging. Did they know, no. did they know what ten, everyone know what 10 beers they were? Everybody knew which 10 beers okay. were, were part of the, the testing, the tasting, yeah. But they didn't know which ones they were tasting. Correct. Yeah. Yep. So what did you think? I mean, you tasted how many different... You tasted 10 different IPAs from New York. 10 IPAs, yep. And and are you familiar with all of them? Are you a big beer guy? I am, yeah. I had uh, I had, had all of them except for Party Boat, actually. So. And you liked it. Let's let's pop that, yeah, Mike. Right. Sure, I'd love to. Poor Jeff. And in, <laughs> in general, without... You can not, you know, screw up your awards, but yeah. what were your favorites? Well, I... You were the lone, the uh, lone <laughs> Embarrassingly, I was the only, per, of the five judges, oh, no. I was the only one who did not have Eastern Standard as number one. I had other half's hop showers as number one. I did have Eastern Standard as number two, though. 
So, uh, yeah, those are obviously wonderful beers. And uh, I was really impressed by Party Boat. Uh, I really love Single Cuts Half Stack. I think that's a really great beer. Um, and then Great South Bay's Field 5. I think that rounds out the top five. Um, yeah, those are kind of the ones, uh, to be completely honest, I, I was surprised by Port Jeff. I think a lot of people thought Barrier's money would come out a little higher than it did. But I don't Barrier know. makes a lot of good beers. They sure do. Yeah. I think their favorite IPA for me, I mean... Uh, it's the one that's awry, and they change they change the name. Oh, it was like the Sierra Nevada Evil oh, Giant. Yeah. yeah, the Evil Giant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they make they make so many good beers. But we we got Oz and Gene from uh, TalkBeer.com here too, guys. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. And, uh, so Oz, we know you from you know we've we've had you on the show before, and I know you you know a lot about beer. Of the beers they're talking about, what are some of your favorite IPAs from New York? Uh, I absolutely do love the Peak Skill stuff going on. Um, uh, Eastern Standard. I was, uh, you know, lucky to try Higher Standard when okay. it was still uh, sitting in the bright tank, and that was that was lovely. Wait a minute, how did that happen? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just happened to be touring around there and uh, got a got, got a, a lucky Oz day there. His dad, his dad's here. These guys talkbeer.com. They brought like four guys. <laughs> well, we're a community based, so that's definitely <laughs> what we're we're aiming for here. Yeah, we travel with a posse. Travel with a posse all, right. all the time. So, yeah, Jeff, talking about higher standards and stuff, I mean, are you going to distribute more of the beers that you make? Because you, you've made so many great beers. You know, we're at, at our essence is that we're a brew pub. So we're not really set up to do a ton of variety that way. Um, we've been doing a quarterly, like a one-off thing that, that you've seen around. In fact, that's one of the beers they have on here tonight. Um, so we're going to be doing a little bit more of that where it's a, a, a limited release of something. But for now, we're sticking with the three core brands, and I think they're they're getting to where they need to be. What are the three? Eastern Standard and Simple Sour. Eastern Standard, uh, Simple Sour, and Hop Common. Okay, so cool. an IPA, a sour, and a lager. Right, cool. And Hop Common's a sleeper, isn't it? Yeah, Hop Common's on here, and it goes great with food. It's a, it's just an outstanding food beer, and uh, you know it's a it's a it's a California style beer. Well, I saw the Happy Hour guys video of, of you and your cool ship. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit how that works. I mean, I didn't. I, I thought you only use it for sour beers, but you use no, it for we use it. Beer. We use it for all of our words. Um, and you know, as we're while we're talking about it, most of the beer we make are hoppy ales. Um, so what we primarily use it for is heavy, late hop dosing uh, at a at a lower temperature. So by its nature, when the wort floods into it, it creates a lot of surface area heat wants to get off of that surface area so we flash off a lot of heat right away and we'll get a 20 or 30 degree temperature drop just over the course of filling it uh, depending on the ambient temperature and then we do a heavy hop addition at a lower temperature than most uh, brew houses allow for so i think it volatilizes less of the hop aroma compounds that's my theory anyway Um, and it's what i think is the commonality in the hoppy beers that we make that's that's awesome. Yeah. I, I just I figured you only use cool ship. Something I learned from that video. I thought people only use cool ship uh, for know, sour beers. A hundred years ago, every brewery had a cool ship. Um, it that was how they they cooled down their work. It, now it just doesn't make sense for primarily for space considerations. Um, but for us, it's it's a twist on a classic thing. We're not um, you know slaves to 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 uh, brewing tradition. It's kind of a way to use an old uh, antique vessel. Uh, in a forward-thinking way. You know, it's funny. There's so many traditions of beer. We were talking about the guys in 
uh, Be United up in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. They opened the OEC traditional yeah, brewery. No, and they have a beautiful new brewery up there. You were there recently, so I don't know if we need to talk about them uh, much more than that. But they're using their, their cool ship more for those, um, I guess, antique styles um, that people like to get really romantic about, like a la Cantillon or, or other uh, Lambic-style uh, brewers. They're really doing ferment, open fermentation in it. There have been a handful of beers that we've done that for, um, but it's not the biggest part of our portfolio. Right. And Micah at Port Jeff, I mean, what's your setup like over there? Because I've had a lot of your beers. I really like them. Uh, we, you know, we have a straightforward seven-barrel system. We go to 14-barrel fermenters. Um, so it's not a big setup, um, but, but we keep it pretty occupied. <laughs> um, you know, it's a, it's a direct-fired kettle, so it's very similar to something you'd probably see in a brew pub. Uh, it's that size, but we're using it for production, uh, mainly because of the space that we have, you know, the space constraints. And then you make different IPAs, don't you? Yeah, we started on the IPAs kind of late uh, after we opened. We, we started with a couple different styles prior to breaking out into IPAs. Um, some of that was because of hop reasons, being able to get the hops that we wanted to use. Um, and, then, and then kind of another reason was just to, you know, everybody seemed to have IPAs at that time, especially on Long Island. So we took a little bit of a different approach and filled in some of the gaps with different styles uh, when we started production. But now we make um, three IPAs pretty much uh, throughout the year. It's the party boat is all year round. And then we go back and forth with a, uh, with another IPA that's a little more sessionable called Launch. And then uh, I brought the new one today too, which is a double red IPA um, where we use a, a hop backing or a hop jack technique with whole, whole cone hops. Um, well, let, let, let's let's nice. pop that. Let's taste that now. And we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. So you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the Internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit GreatBrewers.com today. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Hey, we're out here in uh, Bushwick, Brooklyn, in the back of Roberta's. Come on out, get a pizza. Maybe you can try on draft some Peak Skill Hop Common and the special Tiger Mom Brett IPA. Pretty awesome place. I'm schwitzing out here. It's kind of, it's like the, we've had a really great summer in New York, but now it's the humid day. And I'm just sitting here schwitzing. So who wants to talk about schwitzing and beer? I don't know. When you guys make beer, I mean, you're doing the cool ship, Jeff. Isn't that like all steam in a room? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you don't want to spend very much time in there. But it's, it's contained. <laughs> it's contained in a ventilated room. And, then for, and for you, Mike, what's like the hottest day you ever had in a brewery? Um, well, fortunately, in our brewery, which doesn't happen in many places, the brew house itself is actually air conditioned, oh. <laughs> and that's because it's so cold. And brewers that come in and in, in, uh, see us, they're like, "Holy cow! I can't believe you did this!" But the reality is, is, is the brew house and the tank farm is only about six hundred square feet or seven hundred square feet, and the tanks take 
take most of that space. So cooling, it's not that hard. We we don't air conditioning while while we're boiling, uh, but soon after that thing goes right back on. So do you only buy regular strength gold bond? We we do use regular strength gold bond, and there is two applications per brew, regardless, just because you're marching up and down that tank farm most of the day. This is awesome. You guys are cool. I I gotta say, I've been up in that room with that cool ship at Peekskill, and um, it was a Wait, hot how day. How did you get in there? I, I know we yeah. It, Who watched the video? <laughs> Everyone's it's, been there. When you're standing in there, as hot as it is, and everything else, it's just uh, the the rusticity of it. You can't even help but feel like you're at another time where beer is being brewed. You're up there. It's drip. It is. It's dripping. There's just you just feel like you're you're somewhere totally different than than this century. It's very cool. Cool. Yeah, man. Cool stuff. Wait, you guys, talkbeer.com. Gene and Oz, here's your chance. <laughs> One thing you guys are going to do is what? You're going to talk about how do people rate beers online? You know, there's what? Beer Advocate, Rate Beer. Yeah, how do people actually rate beer? And then does it really matter? Well, and, and what we've found, a lot of people have, have a, an issue with the way beers are being rated these days. Um, I think that the core issue is that, well, there's probably two. First of all, a lot of people rush through it. A lot of people just want to tick off as many beers as they can possibly try, you know, like like achievements in a video game or something. And so once you've done that a thousand, two thousand, three thousand times, you kind of lose sight of what's important about beer, and that is just sitting down and enjoying it and taking your time to think about it. And secondly, uh, a lot of people tend to rate from the heart, which is great, but then you lose a little bit of that objectivity. And when people go and look up a beer on one of these sites – they see a number, and it's just one number, and it incorporates a lot of people's personal opinions, personal feelings, and doesn't always give you the most objective possible rating. So there's there's a, a, a lot of things that, that we think could be probably improved about the way beers are rated and thought about, and uh, so we're, we're working on it. I mean, how do most people judge beers or rate beers? Well, this actually, this sort of gets at the heart of why I wanted to do the blind taste test that we did because I was sort of struck by this idea that the degree to which hype and brewery reputation played into played into how people rate beers or how you know th- what people say they think about beers um, you know the best example is Hetty Topper so it's this like universally adored <clears throat> IPA that at, at the end of the day is it's just an IPA I mean it's really great it's like it's an, it's an amazing beer but it's sort of weird to think about the fact that this is just a an eight percent ipa in a world where there's just countless eight percent ipas and everyone has decided that this one is the best and it's interesting to me to start thinking about what plays into that and a lot of it is the fact that you can't get it anywhere so people dedicate so much time to thinking about these beers and reading about them and wondering how they're going to get their hands on them and then eventually they take this long car ride or they meet somebody who's passing through this tiny town in Vermont and, you know, they eventually get their hands on one of them. And after you've dedicated all that time to it, to thinking about it, it's sort of a bummer to then be like, eh, not so great. So, of course, you know, you eventually taste this beer and you're like, this is the greatest thing I've ever had. Five. Five out of five. So, you know, again, not to take anything away from that beer, but I think that that's a real thing that has taken hold in how people rate beers is taking into a into account like 
the rareness and obscurity. And I think that that started to, to sort of happen a little bit in New York. Um, again, not taking anything away from other half, I wound up ranking them number one out of ten, and I love all their beers. Um, but I felt like they had just sort of recently been, like, christened. Like, they could do no wrong here in New York. Everything they did, everybody just, like, accepted that it was, like, no question, it was perfect. And so I just kind of wanted to get at the heart of, like, why that was happening. And, you know, that's why, like, Port Jeff coming out so high. Like, that's exactly what I wanted to happen. Because I don't think of Port Jeff as the kind of brewery where people are, like, you know, it's not, like, super hyped. You know, people don't go crazy for it. But that was important to me for people to taste you know, one of your beers and a Great South Bay beer and be like, yeah, this is delicious. This is great. It's just as good as all these other ones. So, yeah. Well, in terms of our brewers, so, so Mike and Jeff, how do you guys feel about rating sites? I mean, do you guys as brewers monitor the sites? Do you have staff who are trying to, you know, or, or you just make beer? I, I, I don't nearly as much as I did when I was younger. I care, I care much less. Um, the one thing I want to piggyback on what you're saying is freshness is the king with this beer. So Hetty has this advantage of it's, it's well, they've got this, to this point, but the beer's fresh. It's gone on day one. Yep. Um, other half also has that. Um, it's an advantage for them. They they work directly with all of their accounts. Right. They are on top of getting a fresh keg right in place of that last one. They're not lining a, a wholesaler's warehouse. They're still incredibly small. Yeah. So they're nimble and they're able to work with places. On a very personal, like it's a, like a white glove thing that they're doing, right. um, and that really has a huge influence with hoppy beers. Like Definitely, it can't like. There's a difference between a day old beer and a week old beer. Sure. There's a huge difference between a week old beer and a month old beer. Right. So it, that's I think probably played a lot into. Yeah, definitely. Like a growler that got picked up at our place over the weekend versus a can that had been made a couple of weeks ago. It's it can be night and day. It's different. Yeah, I hear you. You know this, and what about for you, Mike? About ratings and all that. Um, well, first, I'll, uh, I totally agree with what Jeff said. Um, I think that's one of the aspects that, for our beer at least, it's great. A lot of you know, even I deliver a lot of our beers myself, and I go into a walk-in and I look at the different collars on the beers, and I see that ours is one of the freshest ones, and that makes a huge difference because it tastes the way that it did. You know, people ask me at the brewery, "What's what's your favorite beer?" It's the one that just came out of the tank. Do, that's, do, you that's look, what I drink. do they have dates on the keg collars? Yeah, we date everything. Yeah. So, and it, you know, obviously, I know what when things came out or what have you. But as far as ratings go, I mean, I try to keep my staff away from rating sites. Um, I look at them from time to time. But you know, there's uh, there's a couple different things that go on. You have guys that rate beers very well, and then you have guys that get on there or girls that get on there and they trash beers for whatever reason. And you know, it's it's uh, I, I don't know. I'd rather look at a at a BJCP sheet that somebody has some constructive criticism, but even that sometimes is... And, and I don't care about one right. rating so much as the... The bulk of them. 20 of them together. Right, yeah, yeah. That's a, a much better... Rating. Right, and that's the thing is, you know, as we've grown uh, over the past three years, now we have more ratings for certain beers, and, mm-hmm. and you can kind of see, like, oh, yeah, that is, that, that is a good beer, and that one's not as good of a beer, so to speak, at least according to that particular community, you know? So depending on what the site may be that rates it. All right. What, so what's Talk Beer going to do that's different? Yeah, well, we're going to do a couple things. I think um, one of the big focuses is going to be on trying to distinguish the difference between um, how uh, how rare or how hyped do you consider this beer and then how good do you consider this beer. You know, distinguishing those, making, um, making someone think about that as two different things I think is really important. 
secondly, we're going to stay probably pretty far away from the rapid fire review 100 beers in a night kind of thing. If you're running around at a beer festival, you've already tasted 75 two-ounce samples of, you know, 10% sour beers with a pH of 2. Uh, and then you have, you know, something really subtle <laughs> like a session ale. <laughs> <laughs> you know, then, then your, your last beer is a 3.9% session ale or something. It really, it's, it's not probably the right environment for you to be rating that beer. Where'd you go, Jeff? Oh, to, to Belgium comes Cooperstown. Oh, you were in Cooperstown. Yeah. yeah, that was this weekend's adventture. I saw photos there. of the poor Jeff van driving up there. We did, and, and we... Uh, we caught some. First year I missed it. We, we were there for four years straight. We missed it. Yeah, I didn't see you there. You could have seen our couch. We got a lot of hype for it. I'll couch. be back next year. <laughs> but, well, this is kind of an interesting show. We were talking about IPAs. And, and, and Michael, you're really the guy that, that, that got this started. How did you put together that panel? Because you got some interesting people. Yeah. Uh, Josh Bernstein, obviously, I think, has probably has he been on the show before? Or no? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of went through my email and figured out who the people were that I had corresponded with about beer. And uh, Nico, I actually listened to his episode on here uh, <laughs> just a couple nights ago. Um, Nico Kremitis, just a beer writer, uh, done a lot of stuff on Long Island, and now here in Brooklyn too. Josh is obviously everywhere. He's got his two books. And then we had Meredith from Bearded Ladies, who's great. She actually wrote a story for Brooklyn Magazine today. Um, yeah, and then we had Zach from Alphabet City Beer Company, and he was great, too. Zach Mack. Zach, Zach. Mack. Yeah. Oh, yeah, some good people. I was, I was really proud of you. Um, yeah, there, there's one beer that, that the Talk Beer guys brought that, Jeff, you mentioned. It's like a new upstate brewery that I wanted to open on the air because uh, everyone has said good things about it, and I've never tried it. I mentioned it? You did. You, you guys, which one was it, Gene? It's oh no, the Plan B. The Plan, plan B. B. Yeah. I have a couple of these at home. I have yeah. So uh, who wants to tell me about Plan B? Because I haven't had it yet. Well, Oz, you were just up there, right? You got you got a lot of time in with. Well, Evan's a good friend of mine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, lead it <laughs> so off. Go ahead. You you've been there as a as a customer. He's, it, he's a friend of mine. Was he so. at Peach or no? He was somewhere else. No, he was at Captain Lawrence. At Captain Lawrence. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. at. Actually, just up there on Saturday, he had his uh, release for this uh, uh, beer. It's called Precious. It's a lambic-style beer on uh, aged on apricots. Oh, and it's uh, and, and gushing it's a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, that just traveled from Jersey up here, so sorry about that. Um, uh, but he has an awesome setup there. I think he's doing Mike one barrel. Mike from Port Jeff, open it with his lighter. <laughs> <laughs> That's another show, how to open beer without a <laughs> So, yeah, he's got an awesome setup there, single barrel. Um, he's doing the brewing there, barrel aging himself tiny little farm that he has um, right next to his house uh, and he sets up a road stand right in front of the place. Uh, we got there a little early because we knew it was only a 10 case uh, release and basically we got to sit around and watch chickens walk in the yard and he's got his own little uh, little uh, bee nest there and it's a really awesome place. Mm-hmm. I mean, couldn't be friendlier people and I believe he's using a hundred percent New York State ingredients, which is pretty what awesome. What town in New York is it? Uh, Fishkill. Yeah, Fishkill. It's the closest brewery mm-hmm. in my house. And so you're buddies with him, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, I've known him. For tell a few us years. about tell us about what he's doing in, in Europe. Well, uh, I mean, he's the ultimate nano farm brewer right now. I mean, he's going out of his way to source all the New York ingredients that he can, and he's hustling around farmers markets, selling every one of these by hand. 
So it's a really, you know, it's kind of through the looking glass like this wasn't, a poss wasn't possible to do just a few years ago. And he's one of the first, I think, um, full-on, you know, uh, possessors and users of the farm brewery license. Like he's taking it to, to a level that nobody else has yet on a very small scale. So he's doing, he's doing all New York State ingredients. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's awesome. You guys are so cool. You got so much more to talk about. <laughs> In fact, uh, Finback missed out on the Brooklyn Magazine IPA competition. They sent in a special beer. When we come back in a few minutes, we're going to taste that on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. We're hanging out. we got Jeff O'Neill from Peekskill, Mike Philbrook from Port Jeff, and a cast of characters, Brooklyn Magazine, TalkBeer.com. And we're talking about the best IPAs in New York, and now we're talking about how to judge IPAs. Um, so, Mike, tell us, you, you brought a special beer. Yeah, so the guys from Finback were nice enough to bring over some growlers of their IPAs today. And I asked them to do that because I was um, their IPAs were unavailable when we were putting together the beers for the for the blind taste test. So I felt bad because I've had it before and I really like it. So I would have liked it to be included, um, but that couldn't happen. So instead, we will try it here now. Okay. I'm going to pour myself some, and uh, maybe I'll just pass it around. I don't know who's got empty glasses. Yeah. Let's so who wants who wants to talk about tasting beer? So you guys, you tasted the IPAs. For Broken Magazine, your way, Jeff. How do you taste the beer? Because you're, you're, uh, well, you're complicated. It's complicated, <laughs> Jimmy. Well, you put it first. You put it in your mouth. <laughs> oh, well, first, of course, you smell it. And with the uh, with IPAs, um, the number one thing is is the aroma and what's gonna what's gonna follow behind that. Um, so I'd like to have some of this before we get too far into it. And I don't know, I must say, I don't know much about Finback. But we this know, does smell nice. In, uh, it smells Queen, nice Glendale, and fresh. Queens. They're a new brewery from this year. Um, and they're that new generation New York City breweries that, that's opening with, with a full-size brewery. And um, they got a lot of potential. They're doing good stuff. Uh, just, just, getting, you know, just getting their feet out there. Well, has that big tangerine nose. They're hitting the street on their own, too. I run into them... Uh, Around town, yeah, self-distributing. So, yeah, so I think that's a very important thing, especially when you're starting off. You get that feedback right back to the, you know, to the source. We know about ba Basil and Kevin. They're great. They're award-winning home brewers. Before that, they really paid their dues. They 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 raised the money to open a brewery, and they're working really hard. So, cheers to them. Yeah. I know they actually Basil actually dropped off this, this growlers for that's you, great. Michael. So, 
And that's the way a lot of guys are starting. You know, even even Mike from Port Jeff, we first met. You were self distributing too. Yeah, that's right. So we did in this. You know, I still self distribute on the island. We have uh, distribution in the city now. It's just makes a little more sense to have somebody else hike it from. Oh, you are working with somebody now. Yeah, in, in the city, it's called Grapes and Greens. It's a division of J King. So they uh, they carry our beer. They carry. Uh, a cider, and they carry Long Island as well. Oh, great! In the city, so throughout all the boroughs. Yeah, and the cider's great. It's uh, Crits Farms Harvest Moon yeah. from uh, Harvest Moon. Oh, yeah, 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 it's good. Yeah, so. really good stuff. Now, Empire Brewing uses a lot of their produce. Oh, really? Yeah, in their beers and in their restaurant. Yeah, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting ciders. They, you know, they they blend various things into the cider. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, which are they tend to be less sweet, which I kind of kind of like. Yeah, no, that's that's a great trend. Dry ciders in New right. York. So, uh, Gene and Oz, so you guys talk beer. If you're on a rating site for beer, how would you guys judge this? Well, if if I were on a rating site for beer, first of all, um, I would have probably tried this blind because I think one of the biggest things anybody can do to educate themselves about how to taste anything, especially beer, uh, where there's so much going on and beer is interesting because there's so much hype and there's so much backstory behind everything you drink um blind tasting tells you a lot about yourself and it tells you a lot about your assumptions about things that you're tasting and it tells you a lot about how your mind is going to play tricks on you um and and tell you that you're not tasting things that you are or that you are tasting things that you're not uh so that first and foremost that's that's or One you, thing don't, I or you don't know what you're talking about. Or you don't know what you're talking about, yeah. Which usually happens uh, when I taste blind. <laughs> and, and that's fine. Most of us don't know what we're talking about uh, for, ever, uh, let alone when, when trying to do something as complicated as tasting beer. Um, yeah, I think it, the freshness, again, going back to the freshness with an IPA is so critical. And this, you can tell, is just super, super fresh. Uh, when you can when you can almost pull like a chive or onion sort of note right out of the back of that hop nose, you know it's it's super super fresh. And I, I guess I guess that kind of sounds a little unpleasant, but I think anybody who's really into that knows what I'm talking about. Uh, that summit it's sort of chlor- chlorophyll, like it's a yeah, it's a plant smell. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, yeah, of of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think that would be that's right where I would go if I was describing this beer. I would start at the nose and go from there because that's it's all about that for me. It's really. Can I ask how you would taste beer blind at home? Well, you have to usually taste more than one if you're going to do it. My wife is really very supportive about um, she setting up him. That's setting what she up <laughs> handcuffs and blindfolds. Yeah. It's the only way I can convince her to blindfold me. Yeah, this isn't that kind of show. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, um, no, she, she was, I, well, earlier today, uh, the food scene had on my drunk kitchen lady. So, <laughs> I you know, I can't believe I missed her. I know she was I, on, we can uh, talk about I have such a crush on her. <laughs> She's probably right out there now at the bar at Roberta's probably I eating, I hanging out, waiting to hang out with you, Jeff. But yeah, no, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's something everybody should try. Convince somebody that, that you're, you know, or, or work with a couple friends who are, who are also into it. Um, and do some blind tastings and take notes and be honest and you'll be better for it you know after you've done it a couple times and taste really similar stuff like a couple different kinds of pilsner and taste taste things that are very challenging and that you expect to mess up on or or that you really think it should be obvious and you'll be amazed sometimes um, at at what you think you're tasting when you're really not 
Do you, I mean, what are the awards that really matter? I mean, there's GABF, there's, there's TAP New York. I mean, you guys as brewers, Mike and Jeff, is there anything you want to win or do well at? Because You never want to lose. Right. <laughs> um, it, 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 never, it never hurts your feelings to win an award, right? Um, I think the GABF and World Beer Cups awards are, are really rigorous, really relevant. Um, Tap New York is great because it's a... It's a different cross section of beer. Like that's a that's a lot of fun because it's everybody in New York together. There are so many awards now that it's it's hard to it's hard to keep track of all of them. Um, but there's none that hurt your business. Yeah, I'd I'd say, you know, like like Jeff said with GABF and World Beer Cup, there's you know there's some uh, festivals do a competition like Tap New York, and now there's Hudson Valley Beer Fest or what have you. Yeah, but so. They don't. They certainly don't hurt your business. They can help your business. I know, um, like Captain Lawrence initially when they got their their first GABF mm-hmm. medal said it helped great, you know, for for business. And but it's always a beer you're out of, of course. <laughs> and then and they're very subjective too because you know you have to have, like we're prepping now for GABF, um, you know, coming up in October, and so the beers have to be in at a certain time. And it's well, you can't necessarily have all the beers exactly where you want right. them to be. You send them a month before they actually get judged. So when you're talking about IPAs, you know, and you, I would imagine most of the IPAs getting tasted there have a little cheese character to them because they're all a month and a half old. You know, to, in other words, the hops have degraded to some degree. Um, so there's a lot of things to think about with regards to that when you're entering beer into competition. And then, you know, again, is is it really worth all that or is it worth making good beer every day? So, no, I, I would love to say that... We had a great article written about one of our beers in the New York Times this summer. That reaches more people. Like, the, beer awards is a very, you know, it's gonna, that, that news is only going to reach a select few number of people. No new customers, right? Like, n- nobody who's not indoctrinated into craft beer knows about the GABF. Um, but when it crosses over into mainstream media, we all win. Right. Even something like the Brooklyn Mag yeah. thing here. Oh, of course. It's like, you know, we've there's definitely been hype. And, of course, that came out like the day we mm-hmm. ran out of Party Boat. Of course. Um, <laughs> that's how it always works. Yeah, right. Thankfully, we actually canned, like, you know, a couple days before, but we literally ran out. That, that Are you using day, a mobile you know? canning guy? We use yeah. uh, we use the mobile canning unit. He's great. Um, the, the beer cans are sexy. The beer tastes great. Um, we wanted to try the can, uh, so we started doing that this summer. I think the first the first day we canned was June fourth. I happened to have my fourth kid the same day, um, <laughs> so. Um, but uh, it's it's been great for us that that type of package, especially being on an island where a lot of people boat, they go to the beach, mm-hmm. things like that. It's been tremendous for us, and then it's a, you know, it's even good for on premise type of accounts too because you you can have the beer in a can. Uh, which seems to be a growing segment of the craft market. More people are accepting of beer in a can. So. Are you canning anything else? We're not canning anything else at the moment, but uh, we will be shortly. So Cool. Yes. I've seen a, a lot of hype around canned beers lately, and canned beer seems to get a lot of mainstream attention. I'm just, I'm just segueing here to a couple cans of beer that are sitting in the fridge over there. Um, <laughs> Let's open them up before we go. Uh, yeah, Carton Brewing in, in Jersey, because Oz and I obviously uh, 
very partial to our our home state breweries. That's another one uh, I wanted to include. It, that 07 whatever. It that is. O- yeah, the O dub O seven seven XX. Yeah. Um, I think Mike. I think next year. Everyone in this room should sit in with you and help you pick the beers. Yeah, definitely. Maybe we need to judge 20 IPAs. Maybe. We will you do the IPA again, or will it be a different beer style? Well, I have dreams of doing it with uh, with a darker beer for the fall. Oh, that's but, great. But we'll see. So it'll be a regular... Uh, now, was this the first one? This was the first one we did, and it was, you know, it was pretty successful and this, fun, certainly. To so. get the band back together for no... Get the band back yeah. together, yeah. So, I'd like, Jeff, I'd like to talking about dark beers, if you were going to make a dark beer that you would want... A style that you would want Broken Magazine... To do a competition in what style would that be, or a style that you'd like to make? You know, we made a um, a Baltic porter last year that was really, really quite a nice beer, and it it's not over the top, decent um, alcoholic strength. Um, that's maybe an underrepresented style. We do a, a stout in the springtime, um, but it's got to be something that more you know everybody's making an IPA. Yeah. Not everybody has a stout every right. day of the week, exactly. right? Exactly. That's the problem with that approach. We'll see. And, Mike, you have some dark beers too, right? We do. We uh, we get a lot of success with our dark beers. Our porter has probably more of the regular handles that we have in bars as our porter versus anything wow. else. We thought it would be the pale ale. You know, there's a couple of dark it. styles. I'd, like, I'd love to see more porters. And I don't know if they're hard to make. I'd love to see some kind of dunkles. I like a little color in beer. Yeah. So... Make a porter, make a stout, but I think porters, porters actually, from a brewer's perspective, are kind of easy to make because you have you don't have to worry a whole lot about haze, and you know they're they're fairly forgiving. But you know, once you get the craft down, you make it right. It's it's a, it's a great beer. So, all right, hey, uh, Gene and Oz, why don't you guys say a, f- a few last things about talkbeer.com? Because it's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it is. It's a very cool community. We didn't intend for it to be a big thing. It's, it's growing like crazy. People really are digging it. Um, it it's, it's just a whole lot of people who are really, truly, deeply into craft beer as kind of their first love or, you know, at, at least that they wouldn't tell their actual first love. Um, but, uh, but no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of great people. It's a lot of great people with really, um, intentions to make a much more positive impact on the community. We kind of felt like online beer culture was straying a long way from what it had always been in real life, which was just this positive, um, mutually beneficial community of cool people trying to do cool stuff. Uh, and that's what we strive to be online now uh, so so it's 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 a good thing all right cool hey this is a great show it covered a lot of bases mike thanks for including us in your brooklyn magazine best ipas and yeah of course and thanks jeff including and, us. and mike <laughs> from Port sure. jeff and <laughs> congratulations talk beer and all these guys uh, special event coming up our fifth annual pig island event uh, it's all about new york state pig farmers we got 27 chefs uh work with six point and new york state cider and winemakers uh, it's a special event PigIsland.com, September 6th. Check it out. In closing, I'd like to thank our sponsors at GreatBrewers.com who helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Mike, Chief, Mike, Oz, Gene, and someone else, Greg and Oz's dad. <laughs> Thanks, so, Jimmy. Thanks for coming on the show. For joining me on Heritage Radio Network, I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden and Justin Kennedy, and our engineer, Jack Inslee. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. 
You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.